Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price-dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory. Proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter, at The Bauer Club. We have Dan LaMagna, at FF Coach Dan. What's up, Dan? Hey, good to see you gentlemen tonight. Ha- Happy New Year's to you both. And, uh, you know, we, it's been a couple weeks. And, and to our Dynasty Theory football family that's that's listening. And uh, Georgia Bulldogs boys, we're, you know, looking at back-to-back. I'm pretty excited here. You know, is looking for that national title. And uh, just a little other note, because it's been a couple weeks, uh, the transfer portal, maybe this is one for our Debbie li- uh, listeners, CJ Dupree, a name to follow. He went to my high school. I'm good friends with his dad, and he transferred to Alabama, tight end. He is a house. I spoke to his dad at the end of the high school season, and he said he was at Maryland there, and he foregone playing in the bowl game, and he says he's getting NFL looks, and then he ends up transferring to Bama, so that's pretty cool. All right, we'll see see if that inside information comes into play down the road and then even presently for our Debbie folks. What's up, Mitch? We got Mitch Sorensen. What's going on? I'm just happy to be on the show tonight. It was it was a busy day. It was a busy day in Kamish land. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, and we're going to get into that because uh th- there's a lot going on. Uh we kick off the show tonight uh Demar Hamlin. You know, we don't really need to go into the details because I mean, anybody that's listening to dynasty theory, 99.9% chance you are aware of the situation uh, and everything going on there. Sorry. I'm kind of stumbling here. Mitch distracted me because he jumped off. So if you're not watching that, there, there he is. There he is. But now I got to rearrange everybody on the thing. The, all right. All right. We good. All right. So yeah, Damar Hamlin, uh, the the GoFundMe link um, again. I'm sure everybody has seen it on Twitter. Uh, I they talked about it on ESPN throughout the entire day. It, it's in our episode description. Whether you're watching on YouTube or the listening on the podcast feed, I it, it's a really cool uh, foundation. You know the, the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive, and then I pulled this from the. GoFundMe page. This fundraiser was initially established to support a toy drive for Demar's community, sponsored by the Chasing M's Foundation. However, it has received renewed support in light of Demar's current battle, and we can't thank all of you enough. Your generosity and compassion mean mean the world to us. Again, this being from their GoFundMe page. If you would like to show your support and contribute to Demar's community initiatives and his current fight, this is the place to do so. This is the only current fund that is being used by the Hamlin family uh, as a team here at Dynasty Theory. I think I can speak for you guys. Our our thoughts mm-hmm. are with Damar Hamlin and his family and his teammates and his friends. What a what a horrific situation! But uh, yeah, anything you guys want to add? I you know, like I said, I think everybody listening to our show is probably aware of the situation. Yeah, just, you know, a moving situation. And I think, you know, I made a donation myself last night and got the email today with it's like a a little bit of update from his foundation. And it's amazing the amount of overwhelming support from the football community, the fantasy football community, and uh, just continued prayers out to DeMar for a recovery. And I think there was some progress today. So 
you know, hopefully that continues into tomorrow and moving forward. I think it's up to $5.5 million for this, yep. this foundation and these initiatives. And I hate to say like a, a silver lining in a situation like this, mm-hmm. but you really see a lot of the good come out, whether it's the fantasy community, the NFL community, people in Buffalo, people in Pittsburgh. He's a Pittsburgh kid. Mm-hmm. He's from McKee's Rocks, not far from me. Uh, went to Central Catholic High School uh, right there uh, in Oakland. And then he went to Pitt. So so homegrown kid. Uh, every story you hear about him, it's like a glowing endorsement of the not just the player he is, but the person he is off the field. So, uh, like I said, our thoughts go out to, to Damar and everybody involved. Uh, awful situation. But unfortunately, that awful situation has led to so much conversation around like the timing in terms of the fantasy season. Uh, and obviously, first and foremost, is what we kicked off the show talking about. But it, it's human nature to just think like people are thinking about, well, how does this impact my fantasy football season? And I don't think that has to take away anything from everybody's first thought you know i I, so i hopefully not coming across as insensitive by any means anybody that interacts with us i i don't think they would think that but i just you know Mm -hmm. want to walk a fine line here but mitch you did your commission work today i did and again i this is why (laughs) i people say hey let's start a new league and i say Yep, Mitch is the commish because he's putting in the hard work there. And and I'm not going to do it. But, Mitch, you kind of came in. Well, I'll let you talk, talk about it. What are you doing in your leagues, handling payouts, uh, the, the structure of everything? Because, obviously, this situation from, from this Monday night, it does come into play here in the Week 17 matchups. It does, without a doubt. And I think this is why bylaws matter so much. Like, you can't join leagues without bylaws because I can tell you the one league that I'm in that I haven't heard a word from anybody from is in a sleeper league I joined that doesn't have bylaws and the commission is just gone. Nobody knows what's going on. And it's fine. Like stuff doesn't need to be decided 24 hours after the season ends. You know, we don't have to do that, but it's nice to have an idea of what could happen for the potential winners. So what I end up doing is I just, you know, if the games are decided, the games are decided and it's not a big deal. And that actually happened in a fair amount of my leagues. It was like, look, you had Devin Tyler or Tyler Boyd. You were down 49 points. You just weren't going to win that week. And everyone's been really, really cool with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if people did have a problem and it was a close game, I just asked that they split. If they want to come up with whatever ratio split they want, Dan did that in a couple of my leagues and it worked out extremely well. Um, and if they both just can't come to an agreement, that's when I go to the bylaws and I say, look, this is what we have set up in a tied game scenario. I'm not going to give someone more points or less points in a tied game. This is what it is. This is how we do the tiebreaker. Mine is like most points score, most touchdowns scored by starters. But that's just something to go off of. And the best thing is 99% of people are amazing with it. The same people who have issues with any rule you try to change ever are the ones that do kickback now. I mean, there's one league to where, like, I just knew there was going to be issues in it. Thankfully, I'm not the manager of it, but, like, you just know, like, this is going to take weeks to figure out because the guys are just going to argue for the sake of arguing. And there's nothing wrong, you know, Dan, you did this in a league, and I, I 
there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Mm-hmm. And I, Dan's question was, well, you know, what if it, they play it in week 19, essentially, or just whatever the scenario mm-hmm. is, that's fine to ask questions. And, you know, we all knew Dan, he came across in a beyond respectful way. It wasn't argumentative. It was, you know, he asked the question, Mitch answered it and you were like, all right, good to go. We're, we're done here. Um, so I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong way to handle it. You, you it's what works for everybody else. Uh, and, and what works for the two or four teams. I mean, heck, uh, I, I was in a toilet bowl championship in our one league in our dynasty theory listener league. And the winner of that game, it's a 14 team league. The winner of that game gets awarded the 1.15 as a comp pick. And you said the, like it would, the, the projection was like super close. Yeah. It's extremely close. I said, toss, toss it. I, yeah. I, I don't care. You know, there are going to be people that want to make things more challenging for everybody and of course, everybody has their situations where uh, the, maybe it's a little bit more favorable to them. One situation that came up, Mitch and Dan, and I don't know if you saw this, Dan. Um, there, there was a lot of conversation going on today in the in the Discord. Um, but one commissioner in a league just decided, "Hey, we're going to make a donation for the funds," and I think it's a great gesture. Nice. I, I really do, but. I think you could make a group decision on how that's handled as opposed to commissioner saying, Hey, I'm giving away Mitch and Dan's money here uh, without their knowledge and, and awareness. So I think there's certain ways to handle situations. Again, I think the, the idea is fantastic. Great gesture, but just make sure you're, you're balancing all of that out. So mm-hmm. I don't know, Dan, I, I kind of gave it over to Mitch just cause he is the commish, the commish if you will. Uh, but do you have any thoughts here overall? I mean, you're That's just along for the ride and collecting your money. It's, it's, it's been a good stretch, but no, I, I just appreciated everybody's mindfulness, whether it's the community and culture we've created in our discord um, to your point, JB, you know, it's, it's good to ask some questions. You know, Mitch was kind enough, uh, even separate of, of the chat. I was picking his brain a little bit, just curious of the software capabilities and watching what MLF and sleeper and, underdog and all these companies are doing it's more of a curiosity thing you know there, there are people did we get that, an mlf in there did i hear that right mfl that... I, I always, <laughs> yeah, that's always a tricky one for me i don't, I don't know what it i think there's like eh, don't get me going but you're good there's it's um, like whenever i talk about law and order uh svu <laughs> i see i had to do it right there I'm like SUV, svu what is it anyway there you go old, old habits die hard and that's one of them for me but uh but, you know, I just appreciated Mitch's professionalism today, you know, and there's teams out there that really need the money. And, you know, mm-hmm. just to watch him, you know, be timely, be mindful of the situation, but keep things moving along and, and giving everyone an opportunity to work it out. So I think in our world, it's been pretty good overall. Yeah, and, you know, it really has. Yep. That's a positive. So kudos to the fantasy football community overall. Yeah, two commissioners, Mitch. I mean, I, I give you a hard time, but obviously, I think you did a fantastic job the way you handled the situation. And then Brandon, who a lot of people are in his Sunday Funday leagues, yep. I he would jump in the chat if Mitch and Dan, you were in the finals and it was somewhat close. Hey guys, I'll I'll give you a chance to figure it out. And I didn't have one issue. Nope. Yep. Good. Good to pay it out. Uh, or boom, we're gonna chop it fifty fifty. You know, I I think we're all adults here, and we can we can figure this out in a. Uh, rational manner. All right. Anything else regarding the commission stuff there? No, I think that's good. Uh, okay. 
Well, we we did have boom 12 minute show that's it uh we do have some things we want to talk about every year mitch you and i have done this episode 2020 this is the fourth year Mm -hmm. that we've done this episode dan third year for you i think it's our accountability episode and you know sometimes we get a little down on ourselves and this is the episode to do it boys really really bring us down uh if you're in the chat (laughs) Let me know, especially, hey, JB, you told me to go trade for Russell Wilson, you son of a, you know. Um, but then next week, kind of, we'll talk about things that worked for us because you can't talk about the bad without the good. But some process improvements, some accountability. I want to talk about the, the I always say, overarching strategies, obstacles, roster construction, and then maybe dig in a little bit to specific guys because I have... I have four that I want to talk about. That's a short list, actually. It is. That's not a it's long really list good. for me. Uh, maybe some bad fades that we had. And I'm not talking about Dan's haircut. I just thought of that. I just thought of that. Holy <laughs> cow. All right. Uh, and then anybody in the chat, if you had anything that you, you were looking at throughout the season, uh, you know, and hey, I really bought into this player or I bought into this type of player. That's something I'm going to discuss later or a situation and it didn't pan out. How can we correct that moving forward? Because I think that's the big thing. So, Dan, I want to start with you just because, you know, I I talked too much and Mitch was talking about the commission stuff. Obstacles that you encountered throughout the season. Okay. Uh, Whether it be... the time that you're able to allocate to certain leagues or uh, certain trade partners, whatever the case may be. Obstacles. This, this is, this has been a fun year. This, this is the first year you mentioned, like you mentioned that, you know, you got an extra year under your belt. I think this is the first year where I didn't like message you during the day. And they'd say, Hey, explain this episode to me again. Like I was like, I, I feel very accountable today, John. So that, yeah, that's, I like that, it. That, that's progress here in the new year in itself. But um, my biggest obstacles, I, I really did feel locked in and i and i got good results this year but it wasn't without challenges without the way and i took a little notes of like okay what, what what's the game plan you know what did i take away from this year and unlike a new year's resolution where it's like okay i'm gonna change this i'm, I'm more like the life motto here of continuous improvement the japanese philosophy of kaizen here on dynasty theory continuous improvement you know, I am going to continue to improve in certain areas of, you know, rankings and spreadsheets and sifting through reliable sources. And, and, and I think that went well this year where I really got to watch and where I hit obstacles was my emotions. I have got to watch the emotional trading and cuts. John has got that face on because he hit me hard this year. You know, Mitch, I, I need like a therapy session in the offseason just just for like like. Two years in a row, I think John got me, or two or three or whatever it is. I'm still scarred, and I said this many times of the, the Kamara trade years ago. And this year was the Dak Prescott. Like, and I, I just fell for this, like, Dallas is in the dumps at week one or season's over. And Jameis Winston's, you know, I, I, I bit this, you know, was loving the stats. And then, and you know, I love and watch film. And I went back and I watched Jameis Winston film of, like, his big game. And boy, was he lucky he wasn't picked off for like three times in a game that he threw for like 300 plus yards. I was like, what was I doing? So early in the season, it's emotional trading or cuts, John. You know, every once in a while you cut someone, you regret cutting. I'm going to make sure I, you know, I did have that obstacle this year and I'm going to try to do better next year. 
And then just the start-sit decisions. Um, you know, I went through a little phase, especially late, where the start-sit decisions, there were some of them that got me a little bit. And, you know, I got to make sure I continue to build on injury news. And, you know, you got to watch that. Yeah, utilize projections to guide my decisions and, and continue to ignore those weather new, weather reports. Those weather reports were another obstacle too, where sometimes I get sunk into that a little bit. So that's just a little overall synopsis, I guess, if you're looking at the year and obstacles, mainly emotions, not falling trapped to that right away. And, um, you know, just those start sit decisions every once in a while got me. Yeah. The emotions certainly for you, uh, you know, you're you're 100 honest there. Obviously, I don't think it happens often, but it's easy to go back and think about the big ones where it took place, and that Dak Prescott trade and, and several people in the Discord they're in that league. They are aware of that that trade. We won't <laughs> yeah. go into it. We 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 went into it on a previous episode, but I think oh, you know, the the emotional aspect and the fandom, and at times, you know take lock mitch did did any of those issues pop up for you this year like maybe there was there was a take or a player that you were like no no no, no. i'm i'm right here and maybe you should jump ship or something should have happened there me being stubborn that would never ever <laughs> ever happen in leagues but that happens all the time but for me this year it was really i hate to say it because like i've made fun of people saying this before i was just in too many leagues but I can actually explain what my issue is with it. So I finally broke that 50 league threshold, right? People are like, wow, 50 leagues. I mean, that's nothing compared to a lot of people that we talk with. Um, my problem was all of the leagues that I wasn't a very good team in, I just kind of let them slide in the playoffs. I didn't make a lot of moves. I'm like, look, I'm going to have 20 teams make the playoffs. Some are going to win, some are going to lose. No big deal. And I've never been like that before. When I had like, I think I had 40 teams last season, I was constantly on waivers, constantly trying to make mm -hmm. trades. But this year I turned extremely apathetic towards like my teams that weren't extremely good because I was like, well, just by sheer randomness, I'm going to win a couple leagues. And lo and behold, I did. I won a couple leagues that I probably shouldn't have. I lost leagues that I should have won. But for me, I just know between 35 and 40 is my max. And I'm not going to go over that. So, I mean, there's some leagues I'm going to have to leave this year. But I'm not doing it because, like, the teams are bad or whatever reason. They all have their draft picks. It's just I just didn't care about them. And once I got to that point, I was that way in October this year. And, like, I'm just letting these teams just, like, not do anything. And no one wants a manager like that in the leagues. And so I'm just going to bounce out after this year. I will say what I found, and I think I brought this up last year too, but – well, f first of all, let me let me defend you here. You know, start, I'm like a sour patch kid. For, first, I was I was nice to start the show. Then I got a little little punchy over here. Now let me get sweet again. You you, you change positions at your job too. Like you no, you, you had only work three days a week. It's not. That I great know, but excuse. you had a little bit more responsibility. We'll be on the show, and you're like, guys, I gotta go. Uh, you know, Utah's burning to the ground. And it's like, okay. Um, so to defend you a little bit there, but yeah, I, I kind of get that sense of complacency with certain teams and maybe complacency isn't the right word, but you take on the level of activity mm -hmm. that the rest of the league shows. Well, that's a great way to put it. So if there, if, if it, people were just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, I don't really look at it too much because I'm like, I, I don't want to spend 
too much time and allocate specifically to that one league if I know I'm just going to be spinning my my wheels here. And I, I think that's that's one thing that that gets me. Um, before we trying to think of different things here before we get into like specific players and and roster construction the time was um, good he, he, he brings it up though jb like I, I think if we probably rewind to like last year's episode i think that's what i brought up like i just felt like time was I, I was like spent by the end of last year and this year i think i'm spent again you know i, I think i got better at kind of balancing it and i, I look forward to this time of the year to come up for air a little bit but um but I think for listeners that are deciding, you know, how many teams should I have? Like, it's kind of a popular question. I, I think when I, you know, cracked into this industry, I was asking you guys, you know, hey, what's, what's the quota and how do you manage it? And, and I bust both of you all the time. I'm like, mm-hmm. how, how do you manage so many teams? Um, you know, I'm at like 15 or so and you guys are like 50. Like, well, I can't even fathom 50, but I don't think there's a right or wrong, but what there is a lot of time that does go into that between free agents, between trades, between start sit, um, you know, and seeing what rosters are in it and when to, you know, bail and when to rebuild. And like, that that's just a lot of work. So I, I think it's good that he brings it up. And I just think it's good advice to our listeners to just continue to be mindful. And, you know, Mitch is going to reevaluate. I think it's great that he said, if he is leaving, he's not like that owner that like right before the, like the, postseason there sold all his draft picks and mortgaged everything to win and said see you later he's leaving it in good shape and say hey you know this team's gonna be a good one for the next one i think there's a sportsmanship and dynasty you know that keeps league strong as you kind of just leave things in, in good shape i have specific teams i want to dump and for that reason alone i haven't because uh they are teams that it's not the most active active of leagues and it just kind of sits there and it's rotting. And I'm like, I, I'm just going to eat the, the 30, 50, but whatever. I'll just eat it. Um, but Dan, you mentioned, it. Oh, actually, neither of you brought anything up last year on this episode. I did it solo. I listened back to it today. Uh, two years ago. Solo. <laughs> uh, There's a conversation in my mind, JB. Uh, here, let, okay. Here, let me tell you. Cause I listened. So two years ago, January 2021, things we talked about, 2020 lessons learned. Uh, investing in low draft capital quarterbacks, that was the Minshew craze. Mm. Uh, for me, I brought up somebody having to get the work, and this had to go with our projections, and my example was Le'Veon Bell as a Jet. Oh, oh I remember that. Has to get, yep. Somebody's got to get the work. So I think not necessarily buying into that on a crummy situation. Hey, somebody's got to do it. Killing yourself with no depth. And that was actually something Mitch brought up. But, of course, I depth is – if my middle name wasn't Fitzgerald, it would be depth. And I, Wait, I was, Johnny Depth. That's That sounds pretty good. Hey, Johnny, Johnny, yeah. Johnny Depth, I love how we, like, learn from each other. And it, it, it's really cool that you've brought these notes back up. And, and I'll let you continue. But even for our listeners, we learn from them. And depth is one of them that, like, was hardcore going into this year. And it was a big part of – like I said, it was – my best dynasty year I've had to date. And then, yeah, we get it, Dan. You don't have to brag too much. And then run with that depth. I was building on that JB building on it. And then rookie evaluation improvements. One thing that specifically was brought up was like running backs with low college usage, but they have those other positive traits Mm -hmm. and can still be contributors at the NFL level. Uh, For me, it was those, late quarterback twos that I was 
Garoppolo's Tannehill's. I still have them lurking in, in some leagues, but I've done a good job of shifting away from that. And then last year, I brought up past trade evaluations, and that still stands true. I started really keeping track of my trades and trying to look at trends and and opportunities and what went wrong. Was it a specific player? Was it buying into the type of player? So I think that's something that we can learn from overall. Uh, and then just overall, what adjustments did we make that didn't really work well? That was something I brought up last year to try to think about this year. So before we dive into these other questions, uh, Kev, 100% on depth. I really focused on that this year, maybe overkill and a few. I had good results. The only issue is, and I have a lot of lot of teams like this because depth, 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 those start-sit decisions get, get brutal. They do. So I'm like, maybe, yeah. maybe just studs and duds and just <laughs> take don't have it to worry easy. About it. Take it easy there. Uh, let's see. Uh, B heart made Dan's big head bigger. I apologize. <laughs> That's funny, man. Uh, all right. So we have a comment from Greg and Mitch. You said you were going to bring this up, but let's talk about it now. Uh, the quarterback situation this year, especially towards the end. And I have a list of some guys I want to talk about, but Greg says, too many of my super flex teams only had one strong quarterback, mostly Lamar or Kyler. He needed more top 12 to 15 quarterbacks to pair with them. Yeah. So for me, I've already went over and looked at a lot of my leagues, right? And everyone knows I've all for the last two years, I've traded up into the first round to try to get two quarterbacks. I've done that in every league I possibly can. So I have a lot of leagues to where I have Allen and Lamar or Kyler and Burrow or whatever mix and match players you want to do there. Um, but so this was going to go into your next question about roster construction, roster construction, John. And it was, that's how I build it. But then I was really, I went with the uh, Cam Akers J.K. Dobbins. Not looking bad now for either of them. C.E.H. I mean, yeah, these that, yeah, are the guys that I went for, right? Um, and it killed a lot of my teams. What I should have done with roster construction, looking back and how I'm pretty sure I'm going to build it next year, if I have two of those guys, I want the hero RB approach. I think that's a really smart way to build now to where you have one guy. If you had just Saquon this year, you know, injuries hurt you, but he won you some weeks. CMC, Henry, Dalvin, pretty much anybody besides like Alvin Kamara, you're going to win a lot more leagues than if you're like, no, no, I don't want those older backs. Give me these young guys and hoping one of them's going to hit. So mm -hmm. in my view, my roster construction was really bad because I counted on guys who have never done it before that I'm hoping will do it again. But like Cam Makers is awesome for the last two to three weeks, right? Do I have any faith he's going to do it next year? No. But can I have faith that Saquon Barkley is going to be really good next year? Yeah. And so if I could just have one of those backs to build around and then mix in an Acres or a Dobbins after that, then that's what I need to do because I killed some of my teams by just not having any running backs to play. Like literally starting Kyle Juszczyk because of how bad I drafted. And I think loading up on the, we talk about startups and uh, even existing leagues, but loading up the back end of your roster with running backs. Think about the names that, that contributed Jeff Wilson at different points throughout the season. Uh, Zonovan Knight, He had his moments. Uh, oh God, are we circling back to vet elite running backs being cool again? Am I trendy now? Kevin, it is your time to shine. 
They are trendy. Uh, Just one of them, though. So the high-end quarterbacks, some of my, like, oh, my goodness, the most frustrating team, you're both in the league. I went 14-0 in the regular season. I uh, I want to say points title, but there was no points title. So pride uh, by about 300 points, okay? Get the first round by. My quarterbacks were, uh, is that the league? Jalen Hurts and Tua mm-hmm. and Geno. And I got bounced in the first, the uh, semifinals. So, okay, at least I can get something in the third and fourth place game. I got rocked in that. That was the most frustrating uh, league. And you look at the quarterbacks. I mentioned Hurts and Tua there, but Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Tua, Cousins. Cousins, you're like, wait, why is his name in there? He still was very productive, but that week 17 game, if you're in plus six, minus four, it wasn't pretty. And then Justin Fields, week 16, he had a dud. So these are guys that, uh, for the most part, you're looking at top 12 quarterbacks, top 10 in most cases, that you feel good about building your roster around. Long term, I you're fine. I, I'm not worried about that. But, like, I, I was talking about my ROI in the league. I, I came out down this year. And, and a lot of it was because in week 15 and 16, my win rate was under 40% in both in both weeks. So that's going to kill you. You know, and I talk about that one 14-0 team specifically. Like, I was going through the year. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, how should I just – I'm going to spend this money today. Money. <laughs> I'm going to – Honey, get get that new patio furniture for the spring. <laughs> oh my goodness! And then you see what. So I mean, it shows anything could happen. But it, it, it does support the theory that we talked about past episodes. Both of you supported it, and those teams that we think are destined to win. And JB, your roster in that league was par for the court. Like it was destined, and it didn't happen. And then Mitch is saying, "Hey, I had some teams I didn't expect to, and they won." And I just think that's really important as managers. Just get to the playoffs. Cause you never know. And, and I've been there too. Mitch and I first ever dynasty league. I'm in this uh, safe league again, another year. I had a, another awesome team finish first. <laughs> I always feel like it's one of my best, best rosters. And again, I just cannot win this league for the life of me, you know, despite having lamb and Devonte Adams and just, it's just loaded at every single position. It's so deep and, it choked the week before the championship JB. And if I made the championship, I had Mike Evans and I would have won by a landslide. And it's so frustrating, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. I had a lot of teams that I'm looking at the scores. Cause I still set my lineups pretty much in every league. And I'm looking at the rosters that I had and I outscored the league champion by 50 points in week 17, but I lost in the first round of the playoffs. I'm like, Oh, come on. You know, like Phil Helmy said, the poker player, if luck wasn't involved, I win every time. You know, let's be honest here. No, but, uh, you know, so one thing, though, this year, if you would have paired a high-end quarterback with a Geno, a Daniel Jones, and it kind of goes against what I talked about earlier with those mid-to-late quarterback twos, and Daniel Jones certainly fit that bill earlier in the season and throughout the offseason. Geno wasn't even in that mix. But if you were able to pair some of these high-end quarterbacks with these lower uh, lower value quarterbacks, it worked out. And Geno, uh, fairly efficient. Daniel Jones, giving you that rushing upside. So 
it still makes sense in terms of the types of players that are giving you that edge as opposed to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's just going to be okay. You know, and uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill, even though he was highly efficient in the past, but, you know, Gino kind of steps into that that mold. Uh, yeah, JB, you mentioned the quarterbacks, and I, I think last startup season – I was like just enamored with the quarterback position, you know, mm-hmm. just the free agency where they were landing, you know, the, all the decisions behind it. And this off or this season, when I looked at my roster construction and maybe roster construction gone wrong, like that quarterback, just the long game, it, it was up and down between Dak, between Winston, as we talked about, between the Zach Wilson, the Genos, the Mike Whites, the Jimmy Garoppolo Purdy situation. There are so many scenarios. There was so much time spent managing the quarterback position this season where there were some leagues where I was very steady and pleased. There's some leagues that I had a trade to get good. There's one league that Zach Wilson cost me. There's, and now I'm really, I'm enamored again going into next season where I'm like, okay, yeah, it was a successful dynasty season or whatever the dynasty season was, but what does that mean for next year? You know, Mm -hmm. Derek Carr up in limbo and, you know, you mentioned cousins being very productive, but he didn't really have a, he was like kind of worse than last year. Like what, you know, what's the long-term projection? And there's just so much emphasis placed on that position in the national football league. And we're going to have some really good off season episodes. I think about quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, obviously in the super flex or two quarterback format, it's so critical and not just the production they give you, but the cost to acquire we see, and we spent a large portion of the season. I was sharing ideas day in and day out. Hey, I'm trying to pay this to acquire quarterback, whatever. And it was really difficult to do so. One aspect of roster construction for me that, that you know, you look at these teams, and I've talked about this before, but I look at some of my wide receiver cores and I'm like, it's so pretty. It, just, it looks pretty. But they're not giving you the production yep. to get you through the season <laughs> and put you in a situation to, to have success in the playoffs. And, you know, you, you look at their, their dynasty market value, and certainly it's higher than a player like a Keenan Allen or a Mike Evans, but is it giving you the end result that you're looking for? And again, just because it, it's a, a down situation this year, obviously it doesn't mean it's going to continue that way. But it is something to think about and not necessarily sacrificing all of your future draft capital or all of your young assets for these aging veterans. But it is nice to sprinkle them in from time to time and have that balance. One of my favorite rosters that I have, and I've I've turned it over a few times since. I think the startup was four years ago, maybe. But I moved back. I moved back. I moved back. I drafted vet, 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 vet. I was able to contend, but I also acquired draft capital throughout the startup that I was, I had that hybrid build and it was something that, uh, that, that really worked for me. Uh, Mitch be hard in the chat. What do we think about the overall average dynasty player IQ? Certain things like startup strategy and when to rebuild seems like more and more people are getting savvier. Do you need to commit first to execute these types of strategies best? I think fantasy players just in general are getting better. I mean, anyone who played DFS five or six years ago, and if you were 
decent at it, you printed money. I mean, it was very hard to have a losing season. It was the same way with Dynasty for a long time to where you would join certain leagues and I call them cash leagues because like you just knew if you were halfway decent, you'd end up in the money. Um, I do think people have gotten smarter, but I think a lot of groupthink is happening now to where everyone assumes this is the way you play Dynasty. These are the type of players that are going to gain value. These ones hold the value. So for me, I think it's a lot easier just to step outside of that right now and build your teams differently because I can tell you now, there isn't only one way to win in Dynasty. There's multiple ways to win. And if everybody is building one way because everyone's being told this is how you build, you step outside the box, your ROI is going to go up because of it. Yeah. I Oh, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I, th- I think I've watched the three of us win this year, last year, whatever, in three different ways, all different ways. I think you guys know I love to trade draft capital, build my roster through those trades by stacking up a little bit, but yet, yet keeping a young roster. So I'm still going to be good for a couple of years. Now I got to see how far I could kick that can. I'm not sure yet, but it worked this year. It kind of, it, it paid dividends. So, and again, I've seen just the opposite of that. And I've watched some of our league mates also win our leagues in different ways. So Mitch, great point. And there are a few different ways to win it. I think it goes back to maybe another past episode of just, please have a plan, have a plan and, and stick with it. So I'm, I'm looking at two side-by-side rosters here in two, two leagues that I won this year, but again, they're right next to each other. So it's easy to look at the comparison. So team and in both exactly the same format, 12 team super flex, two PPR for tight ends, uh, team one, Josh Allen, Geno Smith, Team 2, Goff, Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott. So both okay at the quarterback position. Uh, Team 1, Barkley, McCaffrey, Jacobs. Team 2, Swift. That that was brutal. Dobbins, Zeke, uh, Jamal Williams. So there's some, you know. Team uh, 1's loaded. Holy cow. (laughs) uh, Team 1, Sutton. McLaurin Evans helped and Amari Cooper. Really? That's all at wide receiver. The other team, lamb Higgins, Christian Kirk, Amon Ross, St. Brown. So like Thank just you, that alone, like you're seeing the first team had Josh Allen uh, loaded at running back wide receivers below average overall, especially in not much depth team two quarterbacks were okay. Running backs were very underwhelming, but I'm, I'm running in with Lamb, St. Brown, T. Higgins. So I, I think overall you can see. And then one team patchworked Engram, Higby, and Logan Thomas. The other one had Travis Kelsey. So like it, it, there's just like you guys said, there's so many different ways to win. And sure, the, the longer term trajectory is going to be very different for both of those teams. But overall... The goal is to to build a dynasty, but along the way to win every once in a while, which is nice. and yeah. uh, one situation for me, I I have multiple twenty twenty three firsts in I think thirty five percent of my leagues. So and it, and a lot of them, it's not just two firsts; it's three, four, five. So I, I talk about my ROI being down this year. Well, I'm hoping then it balances out and it carries forward. Uh, uh, you know, so I, I think that goes with roster construction, kind of buying into the the hype of the class or rookie picks. But it also goes into zigging when people zag. If you see a lot of people are going for it in certain leagues, 
then it makes those picks easier to attain. It makes that youth or the injured players easier to attain. And that's something that you can, you can build on moving forward. If you're in a league where everybody wants those pretty rosters under the age of 23, they want all those picks, Mitch, you're bouncing in there and you're, you're winning this year. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I think that's, that's how you find success longer term. Uh, so anything else, guys, on roster construction, whether it's something we we did, it didn't work out, whether we saw other people do it, it did work out. Maybe that's something we're going to approach moving forward. I feel like we've kind of hit all, all different topics here. Good on roster construction. Just a lot of nodding. So if you're uh, I'm to excited podcast, to hear. You said you had four missed players. I know what one of them is going to be. Like, I know that. And I'm wondering if you name the second one who's going to be on the same team. Or if you're going to be like, the second one was a cause of the first, so you're not taking that miss. All right, let me guess here then. So let's get right into it. Biggest misses on specific players uh, is the first player, Russell Wilson. Yes. And then is the other one by default, Cortland Sutton. Yes. Yeah, so I actually, I did have (laughs) Cortland Sutton in here initially, and I had Juju in there. But then I'm so let me, let me explain that really quick because Juju had a, he had a fine season. Yeah, he was fine. You know, but there were certainly those duds throughout. And I wanted to try to look at the types of players that I was pursuing and attacking in startups, existing leagues, wherever the case may be. Juju uh, improved quarterback play, and it, we saw it throughout different points of the season. Sure, there's weeks he had four catches or four points, five points, six points. And and that killed you. But then there were games that he was getting peppered, but it's the Travis Kelsey show first and foremost. And we all know that Uh, with Cortland Sutton, I bought into Russell Wilson being a quarterback improvement in Denver. I listen, even if you didn't like Russ coming in there, there's no way you realistically could have said this is how it was going to play out. There's come on. No, there's no <laughs> way. I didn't think he would be this bad. I didn't think he'd be good, but I had no idea he would be like a bottom 30 NFL quarterback type of player. But I have a lot of a lot of quarterback rooms that are centered around Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford. And it's very easy to look at certain teams. Well, why did they fail this year? Look no <laughs> further. Yep. Look no further. Uh and then I also had DeAndre Swift and Antonio Gibson. Swift coming on a little bit here, but yeah. in both situations, it's players that their head coach has shown the hesitancy to give them a greater workload. And they, they both have been efficient when given the opportunity. They both have uh, been able to produce in the passing game but Antonio Gibson, he really fizzled. And at cost, sure, he had his moments, but at cost, I think Antonio Gibson might have been my biggest miss. Whenever I invested in more shares, like right before the NFL draft, Mm -hmm. right after the NFL draft. Uh, And then we obviously saw value swings throughout. Uh, Ronnie, you tried to tell me about Gibson. Uh, Mitch's stubbornness rubbed off on me, I guess. A little uh, bit. Yeah, you're yeah. not stubborn at all, so that's no. good. Yeah, uh, but Swift. So that's that's the type of player there that kind of burned me this year. And with, with Russ and Stafford, it was those – I moved it up. I scooched up a little bit here. But it was kind of that lower 
quarterback one value range that I thought continued to be undervalued and for different reasons, both, both greatly disappointed this year. Am I going to jump ship on either? Probably not. I'm a, uh, the, the dealer showing an ace and I have like seven. Three. I'm going to double, I'm gonna double <laughs> down. <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out. But those were, uh, those are some pretty big misses for me on the types of players, not just the specific guys. Dan, hit me with a miss. I'm going to give you a, an ocean bottom list and then two bigger names. So, so I have two names kind of like you, but that, but I, I couldn't resist leaving out this ocean bottom list. Cause I went through like all my like dynasty shares who I own the most of. I even went to best ball and you know, when I get on these kicks, you guys know, I get like a little obsessed in dynasty and try to get like 90% shares and, you know, I don't diversify at all. Dan so the o- sees the Cowboys play the Colts, and he instantly goes out for Jelani Woods. <laughs> yeah, so league. funny. Oh, Jelani's going to be a star. I stand by that one. We'll we'll pick that up in next year's uh, episodes. We'll see which episode he, he makes. But um, the, the all-ocean bottom team, the all-coach Dan ocean bottom team is Devin DuVernay, Devontae Parker, running back Michael Carter, the trembler Tommy Tremble. They are, they are like the the all ocean, but I have so many shares of those guys, and they just contributed nothing. My, no, my no, whole... no, see, I think that's unfair for uh, Duvernay. Nah, he, he fizzled. He had like one game or something, and then he like faded and like it was just obsolete almost. So I, I expected more JB. Uh, my overreaction to to Jameis Winston, I talked about my midseason hope for Terrence Marshall being re, uh, reborn, and my ongoing love for Kadarius Tony. They they complete my all uh, ocean bottom team. And then the, the bigger names, the two bigger names was I, I had this running back theory where, you know, I try to get one stud and then I was really fading in a lot of leagues and drafting one, two or three of these guys, depending on what I could gobble up. And um, I think Miles Sanders worked out good. Josh Jacobs I'll talk about next week, but CEH was the one of those three that was just like, I mean, Pacheco's, you know, like he's not, he's just non-existent right now. And then Derek Carr kind of worries me because I've, I've been heavy on him. We talked about the Raiders and I know he produced for a good chunk of the season, bye, but bye. He, he, he left me. He bailed on me when it, when it counted the most guys, like he just said, I'm done. I'm, I'm taking the last two weeks off when it counts the most. Um, so a lot of concerns there with a lot of Derek, Derek Carr shares. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, I, I am. I I have offers out for Carr actually. John's uh, like, I don't want Stafford. I don't want Tannehill anymore. Like, I'm moving away from those kind of players. <laughs> Derek Carr, you know, he could be a star next year. <laughs> Bring him out of the garage. We're going for a drive, boys. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, uh, what was I? There was something I was going to say before I turned it over. Oh, do you guys remember to start the season? We did our episode on the off-season value swings. I listened to it today. And there was a group that I killed myself for because their value plummeted. And it was Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Mm -hmm. and David Montgomery. And Montgomery, eh. But Sanders and Jacobs, those were two solid investments Mm -hmm. at their price. So it's always funny, like, like at that point, those were just value losses. You know, it wasn't like, oh my God, this player is going to be horrendous. And... Then here we are a few months later, people have Josh Jacobs as a top five running back. Oh, yeah. You know, so that that's what will uh, production will do for somebody. But Mitch, give me a few players here. So I would just want to mention this guy because we're all going to mention the stars. 
I want to mention Kenny Galladay because I had him. I still have my 25% of my rosters. There was a time last off season. I could have got a third for him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that because he's more valuable to me than he is for a third. There's many players in the league that are like Kenny Galladay that like you just have to be willing to get out of. If I would have had just half the Kenny Galladay and had half that, that many more thirds, I would have been in such a better situation. And then I just wanted to mention what my tight end rooms looked like this year. And you tell me if this is like a, that this is a problem or not. Brock Wright, Kylan Granson, Brevin Jordan, Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox, Austin Hooper, Kate Otten, Joan Johnson, Logan Thomas, Buster Moreau, Blake Bell, Cameron Brait. Yeah. So like not good tight ends, right? I thought I you back, had a decent roster ship of Kelsey. I traded, I have like two left because I moved him oh. off of almost every league that I could thinking that that was going to be the last high point. Little did I know he was going to go and be like Kelsey 2.0 again. But, you know, obviously my tight end rooms need a lot of work in this offseason. That's what I'm getting hit on most. But yeah, that ain't good, folks. I, I just say, so, if you could have just added like a few more of those names, there were some good like middle of the road, above average, solid names, whether it's Knox or Jawan Johnson, who really kind of blossomed a little this year. I mean, we didn't go too deep in roster construction and, and tight end, although, although Kevin mentioned it in his, his comment before. We said, hey, grab the elite ones or get like three of the others. And and I am pleased with a lot of, you know, my tight end rooms, Mitch, going in where I've got a few Kittles, like you have a couple of Kelsey's, but then they, a lot of them consist of Knox, Schultz, Jawan Johnson, Chig, Jelani Woods. Like I got a few options. Gerald Everett's, you know, in the, some of them were, were hits this year where they didn't hit every week. Sometimes they went quiet for three, four weeks. But when you have three or four of them, normally you catch one of them that's just playing good, you know? And, and I think that's where player health, especially at the tight end position, came in this year, knowing when to play the Dawson Knoxes. And sometimes it was easier or hard to figure that out with him or Jawan Johnson. But if you have more options, I think you could bolster that quickly. Mitch, it's funny and not funny because it didn't lead to a profit. Um, but it's it's funny that this year you mentioned those, those tight ends. Mm-hmm. And last year and two years ago you were tight end i was had to have heavy and it it was far more profitable far and more yeah and and we're playing in two ppr for the most part you know so obviously even those games where kelsey would go like a five for 50 that's still a nice little little game there but do you see yourself shifting back throughout this off season do you think you're going to look to invest more in those higher end tight ends? No, because I don't think there are any. That's kind of my thing. How I'm looking at it now. Would you buy back in on Kelsey, essentially? Kel- Kelsey, yes. Andrews, yes. It's kind of the end of the list. Um, but I'm really, the tight ends that are coming in, I mean, we're going to be breaking down this draft class a lot. I love the tight ends coming in. I mean, give me Myers, give me Kincaid. You know, I'm extremely excited for this tight end class. Yeah, right now, Kincaid, he is my two. Um, yeah. I, and I've I, said I like this him. in the Discord. He's like the second best tight end for the Utes, too. Their good one actually got injured like five weeks into the season. Well, that allowed Kincaid to shine. So let, let me ask then another thing, because we're talking about process improvement, so how to fix some of these issues. Are there any wide receivers? I'm kind of putting you in the spot, so let me. I can rattle through some names maybe if that helps. 
but wide receivers that if you could get a third today, you won't be sitting here in a year having the same Kenny Galladay conversation. I just closed Dynasty Planet. So, oh. no, I don't have any in my head right now. Well, what well, you here, say, pull, Dan? Pull, here, get, pull, back, pull back up. Uh, Dan, let me go back to you with some of your guys and uh, like a, a Jameis Winston. Is there a lesson learned there? Don't just don't invest in Jameis Winston. But but besides that, just to slow the process down a little bit, I just moved too fast. I made some trades I didn't mind with Dak and some that were good, but I just got to slow it down a little bit and do a little bit deeper dive and watch the film a little bit sooner and understand what those statistics were that Jameis Winston had early on. Again, after I went back and watched the film and I was just like, Ooh, man, he's really like a better defense. He's projecting those throws. And he, and the Saints knew that. And that's why Andy Dalton kept, kept that job all season long, um, even though, you know, Jameis was saying it was just tearing him up and breaking his heart inside. Um, I think it's going to be tough for Jameson to get a starting job again. And I think there's a common theme also with a player like CEH, even though it, it's tough for CEH because, like, Pacheco was, what, a seventh-round pick? Mm-hmm. McKinnon creeping around and who's been fantastic McKinnon. This is like Damian Williams from a few years ago that, that end of the season stretch, Mitch don't spend a first on Jarrett McKinnon this off season. Yeah, I'll, I'll try, try not, not to do the same, <laughs> but uh, I mentioned Antonio Gibson for me, I think really, and this is where the stubbornness I think comes in, but not just listening to what the coaches say, but watching what they do. And the the issue for me with Brian Robinson was I wasn't necessarily high on him pre-draft. So when they drafted him, I thought, yeah, it's a third round running back, but I didn't like him before. So because of that, because I know my evaluation is never going to be wrong. We all know that uh, Antonio Gibson should be fine. So I, I think really, and Mitch, you say this all the time. It, it, it's spot on. It's a, it's a great lesson learned, but paying attention to what these organizations do as opposed to what they say. Yeah. I mean, we've had seasons in the past where LaFleur and Green Bay said, oh, we want three big-time running backs to be able to step in there, and then, you know, it doesn't come to fruition for one reason or another. <laughs> but I think that's something to keep in mind. I think it's important to be able to adjust those evaluations throughout the season and into the following seasons. Again, some of these guys may be terrible now. It does not mean they're going to be terrible next year. Sometimes it's just the system. It really is. Um, sometimes it's health related. You know, Ben mentions, you know, Tanya there and Aaron Rodgers hates him. I think Tanya's a little bit like Michael Gallup coming off a very serious injury that just never was all the way back. Um, but doesn't mean there's not more production left in them next year. Uh, depending on the situation. And a lot of these quarterbacks, it'll be the same thing. All right, Mitch, did I give you enough time? You did, you did. So one of the names I came up with was Michael Gallup. <laughs> he hasn't had over 50 yards once this season. Not one time. You'd figure he would luck into it at some point. And then Michael Thomas is one. Different price points, of course. Michael Thomas, I would move him off of any team right now. And the other one where I think you could get a little bit more for is Tyler Boyd. I just don't think you're ever going to see a value increase from these guys. And Michael Gallup still has that hope. You know, he got the contract. He's tied to deck. He hasn't shown it yet. And maybe he will next year. 
but I guarantee I could find whatever points he's given me next year somewhere else for probably a little bit less than what Michael Gallup's going to cost me. That's it. I'm getting rid of the jersey. I'm done. <laughs> I'm He'll done. keep it up. That's how this is going to happen because he's going to get injured or something. Well, as soon as I get rid of the jersey, boom, he he spikes yeah. again. Uh, I Darius Slayton, somebody I would look to cash out on. Uh, Kev says, what's your floor for what you take on Michael Thomas, Mitch? Any third. Did you not just acquire Michael Thomas in a trade? I probably did. I don't know. I've done a lot of trades. Who knows? All right. Uh, I'm sure I did. Uh, da, 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 Nicole Hardman. Dan. Uh, I'll say this first. Michael Thomas. I, I'd rather him just die on my roster than, than, than move him for a third. Oh, he like, is. Don't like, worry like, about like that. he's put on a clinic when he was healthy this year. Like he still has it. So I, I think he could still help someone win a league. I just wouldn't ever pay, overpay and want to give a first or something like that. Nicole Hardman. I would still give a third for McCall Hardman. I um, just when he was healthy this year, he was a big part of their offense. The pr- problem with Kansas City is, other than Kelsey, it's just so spread out. No one's ever mm-hmm. going to materialize to something better than that. So he's not worth any more than a third. But he's a good bench player. Paris Campbell, Chase Claypool, DJ Shark. Yeah, well, should... all the same. I, yeah. That's kind of the range we're talking about. Exactly. But, but for good the players. most part, like besides Claypool, but. Uh, like, you know, looking at some of these guys, like just off of name alone, I bet you could get a third for Allen Robinson from some people if you wanted to dump oh, Robinson. Sure. Yeah. I uh DJ Shark, he's had a few splash games. I think the market would be there, Paris Campbell. But these are the types of situations where we easily and Shark and Campbell, they're free agents after this year. Lazard, he's a free agent, Hardman. Slayton, all of them that we just mentioned. Shark played football, good football, and that's a guy I would... (laughs) He did play football this year. I I would have interest in him on my fantasy roster, depending on the situation. I mean, he he really looked good and and had some big games, and and a a lot of them down down the stretch there, versus I think there's just those different guys that are older, aging, and, you know, Galladay's not going to win any any, any more. Like, I don't think there's any more juice to rekindle that flame. No, well, that's why we're talking about... Slayton, I think you had his ceiling... I just think there's a little more. I think there is a difference between like a shark and a Slayton. Well, that's why we're talking about it from a year out because mm-hmm. Mitch possibly could have gotten a third, passed mm-hmm. on it, and now, well, I could have had that third instead of the corpse of Kenny Galladay just <laughs> rotting on my roster. Uh, Corey Davis, maybe somebody could be interested. Again, we're talking thirds here. Yeah. Like we're not talking seconds or high-value high players, uh, but these are the types of things that certainly could be, you know, a process improvement, but these are the types of things that, you know, if I get that extra third now, I can buy that McKinnon at the end of the season next year as a, as a contender. If I'm pushing that, that third's going to be a lot more liquid than a wide receiver that nobody wants, even if they do produce from time to time. Gotcha. Are we going to rapid fire the biggest fade at a cost? Cause I realized we, we, we went long tonight. Another episode I said, hon, this isn't going to be a long show. <laughs> I actually said that before we got on to the curse, the, the curse. All right, uh, Dan, rapid fire. Uh, so we're talking about our worst fades at cost. So essentially should have bought in, but we didn't. Yeah, when I think of fade at cost, there were guys that I just I wasn't touching no matter what. And, and I went a little bit deeper, but boy, was he a high producer. Jared Goff was my biggest fade at a cost. Evan Ingram would probably get runner up. 
Uh, Engram, I'm at like 25% roster ship, so I'm happy there. Killed me whenever I needed him most the this week. Uh, but I agree with Goff. I was looking to dump him because I thought, hey, they're going to acquire somebody in the draft in 22. Didn't happen. Hey, they're going to acquire somebody in the draft in 23. I'm with Mitch. I don't think they go that route. I think Goff is their quarterback in 23. Still might be able to get him for a reasonable price mm-hmm. if if people don't believe. All right, Mitch, who were your uh, fades that should not have been? My biggest one's Tua. I mean, I was completely off on him all season. I was like, he's not a good quarterback, yada, yada, yada. He's great quarterback. You know, I just pray that the concussions are behind him and he'll be able to be healthy moving forward. But dude's a stud when he's on the field. He's a very, very good quarterback tied to very, very good skill position players. And those are the kind of quarterbacks that we should be buying into. So that was by far my biggest miss because where you were getting him at startups, instead of getting Cam Akers, I could probably have two on my team right now and I would feel much better about it. That situation, it's not just that Tua has looked good. Like that is that system is great for him. It's, It's great coaching, man. Coaching matters in the NFL. I mean, look at the way that these quarterbacks in San Francisco, I mean, Garoppolo, serviceable, Purdy, he's looked, he's looked good. Hall of Fame. Yeah, (laughs) apparently. Uh, Give him a jacket. Here, let me me ask you guys really quick. What's the percent chance that Brock Purdy starts week one in 23? Mitch? 72. 72%. I don't think Lance is going to be healthy. He's still walking with the lamp. And he just had another cleanup. I'd say 50 at least. I, I mean, Garoppolo walks if they don't bring anybody in as a free agent because they say, hey, we're going to, we got this young rookie. We're going to see how he evolves. If not, we were comfortable with Brock Purdy as a backup. There's a chance. I say 50 50, though, because you know this offseason, who knows? They signed someone else or <laughs> something Kirk crazy. Is but the quarterback for the 49ers. Health is a concern with Lance, though. That's a good point, Mitch. Uh, would you move two twenty-three thirds for Brock Purdy today? No, I'd wait because I think you could probably do that in April as well. I'd say it depends on my team situation. Okay, all right. Final thoughts, Dan. For the hundred and eighty-seventh time, the off season is here. It's finally here. What do you got for our listeners? Nothing earth-shattering at 187 here, but I will start my rookie film watching here in the, in the upcoming week or so. So I'm looking forward to catching up with you boys and uh, getting that rookie fever going on. And just encourage everyone to maybe, you know, some best ball playoff drafts or an NFFC league. Let's keep the fun going a little bit. There's still some some football to, to be played. And uh, just continued prayers out there to DeMar Hamlin. And uh, just thanks for a fun dynasty season from, from our listeners, man. It's, it's been an awesome year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Dan said everything that I wanted to say, to be honest with you. Final thought uh, as we kicked off the show. Remember the link to that GoFundMe. It, it, it's a it's a great cause. Like any anything for kids like like we, we just had Christmas here. I, the Even like the, the little gifts that your kids open up, the, like the joy that, that it brings to them. Like you you have the opportunity here with this five and a half million dollars to go towards all of these initiatives. Holy cow. Like, uh, you know, it, it is a great cause. there, helping out a, a lot of folks and our, our thoughts, like we said, to kick off the episode to DeMar Hamlin, his, his family, teammates, friends, uh, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, you know, uh, 
so yeah uh be kind to each other even though i get rattled i, I had to delete a tweet last night because i was rattled and then i was like i don't want to argue with anybody i'll just delete it because i didn't think people should have been posting pictures and videos of people upset on the field i'm sorry gosh you're like yeah i know you're like john shut up shut up all right uh for for Mitch Sorensen, Dan Lamagna, I'm John Bauer. Hopefully everybody had a solid week 17. Get ready for the offseason. It's here. Let's start diving into to startups, rookies, all that good stuff. We'll catch everybody next week. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>